Welcome dogs, get your goggles, get your tightest like a tri suit, put on those compression socks. Why be good at one sport if you can be shit at free? This is the Trifle Mockery Podcast. Yes, you heard that right. I hope everyone's got their goggles and their tightest like our tri suit because these boys certainly have. And we're back with a new week. It's the Lifestyle Athlete and Jody Skipper from Norwich, where the sun is always shining, isn't it? I wish, mate. It is so depressing here. Like, I'm looking out the window now and I can just see the rain there piling down. And uh, it's just miserable, mate. Absolutely miserable. I see all these videos of everyone in the south of Spain and I'm thinking, jammy gets, you know... um, I'm, We're battling it out here in the in the cold, depressing weather. I must say, uh, I was kind of surprised when you said like uh, uh, a week ago that the weather has been fine in the UK, whereas it's been absolutely shocking in the Netherlands. Like, I haven't seen... So it's not just the cold, because I don't think the cold is that bad. You know, it's only seven degrees, but it's like rain, flipping rain every day since, I would say, October. And, um, and also, uh, what was it called again? Clouds? flipping clouds like this 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 gray blanket over the netherlands for <laughs> since since october as well yeah mate i jinxed it because after i talked to you about the weather it hadn't been that bad and we even had one day that was 17 degrees with a bit of sun yeah crazy like i was out riding in shorts and it was lovely like it felt like decent spring weather on the border to summer and then since then the weather has taken a turn mate and it's just been flipping miserable like the gray blanket is here as well yeah 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 yeah, I'm I'm popping vitamin D t- uh, pills like Colin Chartier was taking his testosterone and EPO, you know. So um, literally <laughs> trying to stay on top of that and said trying to stay healthy because. And I'm also feeling like I wouldn't say sick, but just not not like a hundred percent, like a stuffy nose, a little bit like death since two weeks from now, three weeks. Like it's not that you're feeling that you're flipping living what you get off that sun. Yeah, I know, mate. You know, we're talking about Colin. You know, he's making a comeback. He's been given a wildcard spot for one of the T100 races. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. He went to altitude training in Colombia last year and he, he served his suspension. Yeah, and, and uh, he's going to be making a return. I think it's the one in uh, Las Vegas. Um, and apparently he's that confident. He's already booked to stay at Caesars afterwards <laughs> and uh, spend his winnings on I'm, the uh, casino. I must say, I still follow him on the gram. And so everyone that doesn't know who, who Colin Chachet is, Colin Chachet is a former... Very naughty boy. Very, very <laughs> dirty boy who, um, yeah, used EPO in his in his little little living room. And then got caught. But he, he did win the PTO, did Texas, didn't he? So he got 100 grand there. And I was thinking, that guy has been on a holiday since he got caught with using doping. And I'm thinking, does he still live off that 100 grand? Well, he's been skiing, hasn't he? Been skiing all around the world, bike bike packing. He's been like doing almost like a world tour travel. It looks pretty fun what he's been doing, doesn't it, in a way? You know, like he's literally been sightseeing for a year living the dream isn't he um Does live- obviously got a big payout didn't he from uh some people to keep quiet i think Do you, that, that might be true that that some people asked him to stay quiet and not rat them out they paid him probably a lot of money and then he's able to live off that money now doing 100%. some ski mountaineering a hundred thousand dollars doesn't yeah. last you that long no, I was plus a hundred thousand dollars would have already he would have had to spend some of that before he got caught wouldn't he you know because he had the money for a while so he wouldn't have had a hundred and that money doesn't last you can't live off that much money like to do what he's been doing I don't think you could really live off like that much could you you know he's uh 
definitely uh, been paid to keep quiet, I think. But, you know, what can you do? Like, it's just, uh, <laughs> it is what it is. We're like a little gossip got podcast. Yeah. I like you know, it. Um, yeah, talking about that. Did you see um, Mo Katir, the runner, failed the drug test? Yeah. Or not failed it. He missed free he missed, tests. Did yeah. you hear what his excuses were? No. How they caught him. So my friend sent me this thing and they there's a whole statement that's out so you can see what he's said because originally he missed free tests within a 12-month period and then he tried to appeal it. But his in his appeal, he was like real dodgy. He didn't realise about the digital footprint he left when he was doing certain things. So the first test he missed because he was in Portugal and he was meant to be at Spain. And he said to him, he had to leave to see his girlfriend urgently because she was like, I can't remember if she was ill or something like that. And he said he left that day. But then they found on the digital footprint that he'd booked like tickets two or three days beforehand and not actually gone on the day. So that was one thing. Um, then the se- his dad answered the door, by the way. His dad always seems like the one who answers the door. The second time, I think they came to Sierra Nevada uh, or no, went to his house in Spain. Again, his dad answered the door. He was in Sierra Nevada training, so he missed the second one. And the third one, he, apparently he was just out training. And uh, they came to the door, and he was only out training 30 minutes away. So if he really wanted to, he could. his dad could have like rang him on the mobile and said, oh, look, son, you know, the drug tests are here. You need to get back ASAP because they want to test you. And he could have came back, couldn't he? He might have been in the time. He might have been a little bit late. But he could have done the test, and he could have appealed it, and at least... He would have probably got it overturned, but he didn't come back. So he missed the test. But then he said they came at 20 past 7 p.m., which is when his drug test and when he'd put this, the hour slot. And he said, oh, there's something wrong. You were meant to come at 7 a.m. So he changed his whereabouts thing afterwards to 7 a.m., screenshotted it and then sent it to them and said, you came at 20 past 7 p.m. But look, you can see my whereabouts thing was always 20, 7 o'clock in the morning, but they could see from when he logged into the system and how he changed it. Yeah, that he did course. it like a day or two after he had missed the test, but he tried to say he'd done it beforehand. And they saw loads of this stuff, like where he wasn't logging in and he was trying to say for the second one, when he missed it, he was saying that he constantly tried to log in and it wasn't working, but they could see there was no login attempts and the system wasn't down or anything, but there's loads of these inconsistencies. And it makes you wonder, was he actually at home and his dad was there? you know, saying he's not there, you know, come back, try again another time. But he was... There's three things what we can learn from this case. One thing is athletes still use a lot of doping. (laughs) No, no. Yeah, that one is pretty obvious. Yeah, but he says he was clean. Yeah, he says he was forgetful. But if you miss free (laughs) tests, you know you're getting banned. So that's just the same (laughs) as using doping. Um, The second thing is, a lot of athletes aren't the smartest, especially this guy. I mean, every if you're like on the web uh, or if you're on the website and you log in, like the page can see when, who's logging in from where they're logging in. Uh, so a lot of athletes aren't also really smart. That's also what we've learned. And the third thing is a lot of athletes are also aren't your to-go-to IT guys. We also see that in our podcast. We aren't your <laughs> average IT guys. <laughs> but wouldn't you think, though, that... If that was the case, that he was doping after the second one, he would have been like, oh, I'll just clean up my act a bit now. Because like he, the, the third one that he missed, he literally, if that was two weeks later, he wouldn't have got a ban. The yeah, first I know, but over- you know how it goes with people that dope and people that cheat. It's, it's in the system, isn't it? So did Lance Armstrong stop? No, but like, um, yeah, I know what you mean. Like, yeah, They always want true. more. They always want more. And the thing is, that's the same thing with... 
uh, when you're on, as in uh, drugs, uh, people that are drug addict, and I'm not talking EPO, but I'm talking like from heroin to cocaine, LSD, ecstasy. Um, people that are at some point used to drugs, and I'm also talking lawyers that use drugs, you know, because they need to work a lot of hours. So they use cocaine to stay focused and stay awake and can work long hours. They also get a, a bit of like self-confidence from the drugs, drugs. And at some point they don't, uh, uh, they don't, they can't go without. That's how you get addicted to something. So also this athlete at some point in his mind, he thinks I'm this good. And actually he is because he's using drugs and he knows if he's going off the drugs that he won't be that good anymore. So that's why he won't stop. Um, so yeah, same for like in the club when, when people are using ecstasy, uh, a lot of people that are insecure, use it to boost their confidence. And, uh, um, same with these athletes, they've got confidence from the drugs. And if he really wanted to stop because he felt like he was guilty, then he would have had, st had to stop after the first time. And we thought like, oh, shoot, they're onto something. But they won't. Yeah, I guess um, if they're not on the ecstasy in the club, they're not going to pull Rachel, are they? If they haven't got the confidence, are they? You know, Confidence is key, the, mate. That's the problem. Confidence is key. <laughs> um, shall we start off with the highs and lows for this week? Go on in. Well, try and find me a high. I had a high and that was going to a Michelin star restaurant on Saturday because we had to celebrate something. What were you but, celebrating? Um, what I was celebrating was that my girlfriend made major promotion in her uh, job. Like she made a job switch. So I wanted to celebrate with her as it's like a big achievement. And I think you should uh, like cherish such moments in life. But it, it was like a two-hour drive away. So I thought, all right, I'm going to make an epic YouTube video, like the Lifestyle Athlete video, a ride to the stars, which was basically like an 180K ride to watch the Michelin star restaurant, get changed there, like shower there, and then go to the restaurant. But it is the Netherlands. So it was two to three degrees in the morning, piss and rain. And I thought, like, get to hell But it looked here. great on your video. It did that not, was later on. In on your video, it was sunny, mate. Like, do you know where that was? That was like a three-hour drive away, two and a half-hour drive away. So I did like three hours on the turbo in the morning, and then I went to like uh, there, and all of a sudden the sun came out at the end of the day. That was literally like four, but piss and rain all flipping day. So it's so a low into a high. high, low into a high. So, so we we were you. At first, when you had to ride indoors, were you kind of a bit like, oh, God, this is a bit of a blow. I was hoping to do a nice big ride to like somewhere different, like a point-to-point. -point. Would have been a point-to-point -point race. Oh, and it was also a six-hour headwind. Wind force four headwind for 180Ks. God, if you'd have had a tailwind, that would have been great fun, wouldn't it? That would have been a massive high, wouldn't it? Just absolutely yeah. smoking it with this huge tailwind for, for like 180Ks. I am going to do some some of some of the rides like that when I'm going to visit my parents or whatever. I'll just look at the wind. Well, I'm waiting for that time. But apart from that, I don't really have a high. And I must say, I find it hard to find a high in these conditions now. I can't even think of a high, mate, to be honest. I don't want to be the bearer of bad news. But like, honestly, I can't even think of a high that I've had. What about the 10K you did last weekend? So it was a practice run for this weekend, isn't it? Well, I had to be in London because Hoka were doing this weekend. Mm -hmm. So basically, like where they get a load of the athletes down, you have like, you'll meet each other and then they tell you about like the shoes and all this stuff. Um, and then on the Sunday, they sponsor an event. So it was like, you're there. You might as well do it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And have a crack. 
So I had a crack and did like 31, 32 or 33, something like that, which was like pretty solid to be fair, because the course had a lot of U-turns in it. So I thought that was a solid, that that was a decent hit out. And um, I'd love to have gone under 31, but that would have been a bit optimistic to be honest in that race. But I've got the big one, what I'm doing, the actual proper one. That was just because I was there. Do you know what I mean? It was either do the 10K or not not run, you know? So like, didn't, of course I did Didn't it. Emma Pellens run that one as well in like 32 minutes something? 32, 40, something like that, which was Flip. like Crazy, very impressive. It? She, I think <laughs> yeah. she won the women's race. She beat like a load of the pro runners. That, was that is there. crazy. That is flipping crazy. I, I just literally saw that Emma Pennant running at thirty-two thirty. Yeah, that is, uh, that is. And also, Peter Heimrich, the German, did he run there as well? Peter Heimrich ran. That was a great run by him. He did like thirty twenty something like that. 30, yeah. 30 something. So 30, very thirty minutes impressive. twenty. Thirty twenty. Yeah, that's a really good run. I think he's definitely one to watch in Miami after that run. Yeah. Like, yeah. Definitely, I, he's uh, he he he. I would definitely be putting some money on him for a for a good result out there. We'll head over to Miami, uh, the PTO Miami, in a in a bit because the women's start list just got announced, but the men's start list hasn't. Um, all right, so that's your uh, live. But what about coming weekend? So coming weekend, so you're doing a oh. little bit of taper. I saw that on the on Strava right yeah. now. Yeah. Well, basically just taking an easy week because I've done three weeks of hard training. So that 10k came at the end of hard three weeks and. You know, it's like you can't just keep training, training, training and not rest, can you? You're just going to like put yourself in a hole. So my plan was always to have this week as an easier week because basically I did the training camp in Gran Canaria, came back, had a week easier, then three weeks of training and then now an easier week. And then I've got like three weeks of training before tapering off into Oceanside. Um, so what, yeah, what does an easy week it, for you look like? Do you still do like threshold efforts and tempo efforts? <laughs> Not really, uh, a bit, like a bit, mate. You know me, fresh old skipper. Like, uh, <laughs> <you know. laughs> I did like a taper session yesterday for the 10K. So that's the hardest, that's the only run session I'm doing the week. That was a 2K effort and then five, uh, just above race pace and then five, and then five 800s. So not too much. And then today I'm going to go for a swim, hopefully do a few efforts in the swim, but nothing that hard. And then cycling wise, I did a ride on Monday with some 15 minute efforts in a longer ride, but not to be honest, just taking it easier now, like from after Monday onwards, I wanted to get a long ride in cause I'd missed one the previous week. So that was the uh, the best spot to get one, but just ticking over, listening to your body. If you feel a bit tired, just making sure mainly that I feel fresh cause I want to get back into training after the 10 K as well. Mm-hmm. So I need to make sure that, and you, you want to absorb the training, what you've just done, don't you? You know, like if you, if you keep training, you only, you can only get better, can't you? If you absorb the training you've done. So if you exactly. keep doing all the training, I think that's what, what, what a lot of people miss. And, uh, um, a lot of people like always train hard and at some point they can't even do like a, especially the amateurs because they think like if I train easy or take like a whole week of very easy training, I'm going to detrain. Uh, whereas yeah. if you've been training like really hard for, I would even say for an amateur, three weeks of hard training is, it's not really uh, like for some, it's a lot, like isn't two it? weeks. It's I a lot. It's a lot. lot. Like if you really focus and train hard for three weeks, it's a lot. But um, let's say it's two weeks and so you take like four days easy or five days easy, something like that, then you can really like and absorb the training. And you can feel if you start the new block that you're like super fresh again. Yeah. And I felt fatigued this week. I don't know if you find it, but when you've like planned in for an easier week, sometimes you get there. Then at the start, you might think, oh, I don't actually know if I, I, I could carry on, I think. But then a couple of days later, you're like, actually, I feel pretty smashed. 
and like the last couple of days I have felt pretty tired you know like you you don't set an alarm and you get up later and then you wake up and you're like thank well, god I'm taking it easier like I feel pretty I feel I can, pretty tired like I can tell you one thing so um when I did the so I did the 10k and then on the Monday I just did a normal day and then on the Tuesday I did like a 90 minute bike an hour swim and then a two hour run a 25k run but just very easy run but then I didn't bring any nutrition on the run. Then the next day on Wednesday, I was in a flipping K-hole, mate. Like, my, I woke Bloody up hell. and my, ne- my legs were like burning and bonking and burping. I don't know what, what else was going on. To- <laughs> you need to get some advice off Matty Vites, mate. He's uh, on the olive oil, 1,000 calories of olive oil. You don't see him bonking, mate. He's like uh, what is he absolute doing? machine. He's this guy who we follow on social media we've mentioned him before he's got a youtube channel and his aim is to win the world championships in two years he's got 18 months left now and he trains like an absolute machine he wants to get a swim threshold of one at one minute and eight seconds so he wants to be able to do 20 to 30 100 meter reps straight no rest at 68 seconds 100 which if, if anyone that swims listens that flipping rapid he wants to get his bike threshold up to 440 watts at 80 kilos so be able to hold that for about 40 to minutes to an hour. And he wants to run sub 30 minutes for a 10K. I mean, like, it's always good to dream in life, isn't it? <laughs> it's always good to have a dream. I mean, <laughs> I think even he's young... Like Nelson, Man- <laughs> Nelson Mandela, he's the Nelson Mandela of triathlon, isn't he? You know, he's got I mean, a dream. Not being funny, but I think even Christian Blumenfeld dreams of these numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I think, it, I honestly think he would absolutely smoke Christian, wouldn't he? Because Christian, I don't think, has got a, for a swim threshold of 68 seconds, 100 metres. Uh, long course, and he definitely hasn't got a 440 watt FTP, has he? Well, so, does he? Uh, have and it? I think his, well, not yet, but he said his F, he wants to get his VO2 max power on the bike to 560 or 570 watts. Yeah, I think that's what Pogaccio wants as well. So, yeah, I mean, could you imagine like you're doing a six minute effort up the climb, six, seven minutes, and you're uh, hitting 560, 570 watts? <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, There's a time where you think, know you need I've, to calibrate the power meter. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think he'd be a bit of a weapon for Milan San Remo, to be honest. You yeah. know, like if he had good endurance, he gets to the Poggio and he can ride up that, you know, at 560 watts. He's going to be flipping difficult, isn't he? You know, take a few risks on the descent. Solo away, 500 watts for the last two minutes to get to the uh, to get to the finish, and boom, Massey Vite wins Milan San Remo as his early season uh, race. Next stop, Ironman South Africa as, as a rookie, uh, <laughs> as a as a, as a rookie, rookie. <laughs> and then he goes for a swim afterwards because it was only 300 k's. Um, yeah, this guy is a machine. I actually had a bit of. By the way, um, going into talking about that 10k, do you think I will get a PB this Sunday? Um, let's imagine we've got a bet we've got a bet me and you we'll put a tenner on it you've got to estimate my time and I'll take a guess we'll do it now and we'll see I would say I'm going to go all in on this one so the one on Sunday I'll give you a little bit of a thing end of a three week block pushed it pretty hard but not where you're like on the limit You, you know like how you described the 10k the other week and you were like you were flipping hanging yeah, on, like, you know. If you're if you're running in ten k and you, you're asking yourself how you need to pace it by kilometer three, you need to feel like you can't finish the run. <laughs> yeah, That's what you I would say feel. when and I then did that. Ten- hold that pace. Hold that pace. <laughs> well, yeah, when I did Leeds uh, and I did my thirty one oh five, I was on the limit and I was in a whole world of shit. So I'll aim <laughs> yeah. to run it like that. And I was actually when you said about 
described your 10k it was exactly how I felt where I was like I don't even know if I can finish it and I didn't want to look at my Garmin because I thought <laughs> if I see crap splits it's just going to put me off put me off um so that is how I'll aim to run this one on Sunday you know I'll be going all in so it's going to be flat out on a pretty quick course it's meant to be a fast course with decent people last year 70 people went under 31 um, so if I don't right. get a, I'm gonna conditions look good Conditions look good as well. I'll just give you that. Three mile per hour winds forecast. Okay. Six degrees. I'm going for a 30.54. Oh, are you? Yeah. So I was going to say 30.53. That was what I was thinking in my head. That okay, was. Okay, okay. So you're pretty much around what I was, ho- like what I was hoping for. Well, believe in yourself. And uh, who knows? Who knows? We'll see. I would take 30, but, sub 31 now. If you said to me, would you take 30, 59? I'd take that. I'd sign for it. Yeah? Even yeah. even though that like two-thirds of the field is going for sub 31? Yeah. Two-thirds? Isn't 6,000 people going under 31? <laughs> it's short. It's a 10K that's actually only 8.2K. So if you come and come, turn up, you're guaranteed to get a PB. <laughs> Hey, there's something I want to talk about. So we were, you were just saying all these hero numbers from this uh, from this guy, right? That's like going to be the world champion next year or this year. Um, next year, mate. He's got a picture in his training room of him crossing the line in Kona, and it says seven thirty something world champion. Get the hell out of here! No, I'm serious. Is this for real? <laughs> yeah, he's dreaming, mate. Like you got a dream, you got to aspire. <laughs> you got to envision the end you got to envision it yeah um, alrighty um, I wanted to talk to you about athletes now well I'm talking about Lionel Sanders and Eric Lau uh, doing a shit 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 load of swimming uh, so to give this a little bit of background uh, context uh, Eric Lau he's an athlete from the US and he just did a, of he's now in Australia. He went to train there with uh, GR, a famous swim coach to improve. <laughs> JR, his, JR, JR, GR, JR. Uh, something Rogers, Johnny so, Rogers or something. That's, that's the man. Um, he went there on a swim camp because he needs to improve his swim. Uh, so he's, a, he's coming from a running background. But now my question for you, Joe, is um, it. So what they're doing now is swimming 40 to 60 kilometers a week. And basically... He swam 65K last week. So 65K last week. But he did like an hour run and like 160K bike uh, at 20Ks an hour average over the week. Um, Taking in consideration, you're a triathlete. Taking in consideration, you need to improve your swim. So I'm intrigued to see how this will play out because it's only eight weeks he's like doing it for so it's like how much can you realistically improve in eight weeks even if you're up something and then another thing that i find a bit bizarre is most of these people because i've seen this with loads of people that have up their swimming like it seems like everyone sudden who isn't that great at swimming in triathlon long course uh has just randomly thought this year that they're going to throw 35k a week into their swimming or 40k a week and uh just all of a sudden go there but they were never really training that well in the past i don't think you know for the swim like, you know, they might have been doing 20K or touching on the odd 25K week. But I kind of feel like, do they really need to do that much swimming? Like, wouldn't, if they trained 25K, maybe touching on 30K a week, but actually did proper sessions and targeted their weaknesses, 
that they would probably get more out of their swimming. And also, by swimming, say, 60, 65k a week or even 45k a week, how are they going to be training properly for the biking and running? I mean, it's a triathlon at the end of the day. Yeah, it's all well and good being out the water first, but if you can't ride and run for shit, you're just going to go backwards. So what have you really achieved? I think how I see it is a lot of these people think that getting out the water is almost going to be like a walk-in, like they're just going to be sat on the back of the pack and they're going to be like twiddling their legs, not putting any power out. And uh, they're going to be then fresh as a daisy running and they're going to win everything. But I kind of feel like they might improve a bit swimming, but they would have probably improved as the same amount if they'd done 30k a week and trained properly with decent sessions, working on their weaknesses. I mean, some of them have obviously got massive technical flaws for the swimming because technique such a massive part of the swim so actually working on their speed which is probably i think that's going to be the, the thing as well loads of these guys that are doing the, the massive swim volume they could be deadening their top end speed and you know what it's like tom when we do a triathlon for those that don't know with the pros you don't just get in the water and swim at your tt pace that you can get from a to b as quick as possible like the swim's like flat out because the faster swimmers don't want you to be on the feet so do you're know, trying to hang on the feet. Do you know what I just heard from uh, from Faga and uh, Menokolhas, what they do in like the swims? Cause they're, so they're like not front back swimmers, but they're like in front of the front back swimmers. Um, so basically at some point, so they start off really hard, right? Uh, and basically at some points they're slowing the swim down and then they're picking it up for like 100 meters, like flipping hard so you've always got people off the back in a group that are just like oh i'm in a group and i'm sleeping yeah. a little bit as in i'm in a rhythm but then yeah because you've got this uh effect of uh yeah uh, the, the constantina the yeah the constantina the elastic effect um you will always or always you have the chance of uh letting people fall off the bandwagon yeah well it does make that does massively split it up because quite often i've been in the back of the pack and then a gap opens up because by the time people react the further back you are the the later you are to react, it's already mm -hmm. too late. And then you can't close the gap because you're already like, say in 20th position, you would be in third or fourth, you're quick enough. And so that's the thing. A lot of these people aren't going to have the speed anyway. So I imagine that they're deadening their top end speeds. They start off and their first 100, 200 meters is going to be crap because they're just doing loads of volume. Because what I think of it as, if it was all about doing more volume to make you better at everything, then wouldn't the ultra runners be the best in the world? And wouldn't people be like Usain Bolt they wouldn't be the 100 meter champion because they don't run that much a week. So surely someone that's running 200 miles a week would be faster. You know, I know it's an endurance thing what we're training for, but you still need the massive speed at the start to get in a good group, don't you? Mm -hmm. So a lot of these people aren't training their weaknesses. They're just doing loads of threshold tempo, threshold tempo. But then as soon as they start in the pro race, their gun's going to go off. They're going to get boxed in because they haven't got the get out speed. And then they're going to miss the front pack. And all they're going to end up doing is towing probably a chase pack round at a reasonable pace, maybe 117s, 118s per 100. And all right, they might be, they might get out of the water in the same position they were before, but instead of being sat or, in the back, maybe, they're then at the front. Or maybe a minute quicker, two minutes quicker. But the thing, what I find uh, uh, interesting is they're, because they're swimming so, so much, they can't, they don't have the energy to also run and, uh, and bike. And it's still in the end of the day, a triathlon. So, if you've been neglecting the bike and run for, let's say, eight weeks, eight weeks further on, let's say you're halfway March, the end of March, and you start training for your bike and run again, the season is going to start and you miss the basics for the bike. So then you can't really do a lot of intervals because you don't recover quickly enough. And I would say you're going to lose the time on the bike again or on the run what you gained on the swim. I mean, to be honest, I would say just do a well-balanced training program. Yeah. You know, maybe have a bit more of a focus on your swim 
but swim decent sessions, but you still need to be doing decent biking and running because at the end of the day, the standard's so high in the biking and running that if you aren't training for them, it doesn't, who cares what you do in the swim, you know? All right, yeah, you got out at the front, but then you get dropped within like 10 minutes on the bike, you know? It's like, what was the point? Okay, but, but now let's say flip side of the coin. It's going to massively pay out. They are going to swim, let's say, five minutes quicker, six minutes quicker. You know, uh, Ari's going to end up in a pack with you. Um, he's still going to bike and run okay, let's say. Are you going on a JR camp next year to swim 65K weeks? I, I honestly couldn't think of anything more depressing than swimming on a JR camp 65K a week. Like, that, to me, seems just horrendous what do you think I, I yeah I, I must say the the willpower and uh it's just I I find that admiring I admire that um and I find it <laughs> it's expi- comfy and the, the chase pack only takes 15k a week mate yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> 13k a week and you can stay in the chase pack 60k a week and you might be able to make the front pack so I'll stay in the chase pack it's comfy I, <laughs> I was a one hour and 10 minute swimmer I've cracked it down to Mr. 54, but I would say, I would say I have been swimming better now than I have, than when I was, when I was a Mr. 54, but in the end, I need to say playing out in a, in a race, but I'm swimming, I'm swimming like 15 K to 20 K a week, 15 K, I would say. So if I said to you, right, Tom, we're going to up what you do swimming in a week to, to basically, we're going to do your mom's volume of swimming every single week now and have fun. Yeah, but that's the thing. If I if I would swim, let's say instead of fifteen, I mean I could up it to twenty, for example. But if I'm swimming, for example, twenty five now, then I would need to run less and ride less because I don't recover as quick enough. I don't recover, uh, so I would say I can run around sixty k a week. I'm swimming around fifteen k a week, and I'm doing like ten hours of cycling now a week. If the weather gets better, I'll pick that up a little bit. But that's what I recover from, and I can still do some intensity with the running, swimming, and cycling. But if I'm going to do more swimming, then either I'm going to feel fucked in the pool like more often, or if I'm going to do more cycling, so for example, a lot longer rides, then I'm going to f- feel fucked in the pool as well, or the other way around, going to be feeling flat on the bike. Maybe we need to get Ari Clout on the show to have a little chat to see what he says, fill us in with some proper details. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's something we can. Uh, and Matty Vites, the game plan. How do we how, the game plan to winning the world champs? We can do a, a little special with Matty Wise called Chasing Dreams, Chasing Kona. <laughs> yeah, and no negative talk, Tom. We don't want you to be calling the podcast Crushing Dreams. No, I don't know. No, no, I'm a, oh well, I'm. I'm a, I mean, when I was an amateur and I wanted to do my first full Ironman, no one flipping believed me when I said I wanted to go. Uh, uh, when I, so someone said to me, what do you want to do for your first Ironman? And I was literally coming from 94 kilos and was only in the sport for about 12 months. And I didn't know shit. I didn't know Janice Ferdino. I know no one. So someone who was really into triathlon said, what do you want to do? And I said, well, I think I can do 9.15 maybe. And he said, 9.15. I said, yeah, I think like an hour and 15 minute swim. I'm thinking like 450 bike and three hour, five minute, three hours and five minute run. And he said, you're never going to do that. And everyone's like doubting me. Flipping did nine hours and 13 minutes. Went two minutes do under you, that. 
When you say everyone was down on me, it reminds me of that Conor McGregor thing where he goes, "Don't me now, don't me now." No, but so many people said he's deluded, he's not fit, he's just coming around, and he doesn't even know what he's talking about. And I, I actually didn't even know what I was talking about, but I saw some stuff <laughs> what I was doing in training, so I thought if I can do it in training, I can do it in an Ironman. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't want to doubt Medi Wise, but I wanted to chat about him, chat about it. I know what they say, don't you, Tom? Prove me wrong, bitch. (laughs) Under extreme pressure, diamonds are formed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, still still waiting for the diamond, Luke. Um, Anyway, uh, uh, T100 series, Miami. Uh, The women's start list just came up an hour ago. And what came up to my mind was they've contracted 20 women, if I'm not mistaken, and only 12 of them are on the short list. It's because they've, they've just taken the money and decided not to race, haven't they? You know, so that work, means work, 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 work smarter, not harder. Like if you can take the money and you don't have to show up to race, just take the contract money, you know? It is a bit of a disappointing opener, isn't it? I would have, I would have loved to see all the, all the like top contracted women go head to head because then you can see who came out of the winter fresh and focused yeah, and I who feel really like... improved. They say that with these contracts and like only having 20 people, the whole point, so this is their argument, it makes a whole season narrative and they can focus on the athletes and they can really tell the story. But in my mind, it's like, it's going to look a bit odd in the coverage when you're saying you're building up the first one on the coverage and you're saying these are the top girls in the world, top triathletes in the world, because obviously that's how they're going to sell it, isn't it, on the coverage, you know. Mm -hmm. So you're watching it and then you see for the second race, so-and-so pops in who wasn't in the first race and another five athletes pop in. You're like, well, where the fuck did they come from? Like, I thought I was just watching the top 20 athletes in the world. Now there's these extras. Like, I think everyone should have been there at the first one. Yeah. And then for the other ones, you could kind of like have people coming in and out because you could say if someone's injured, they're resting up, you know, whatever. But for the first race and the grand final, surely you need everyone there for them once. You need to start the season on a high with all the hitters there. That should have been on the contract. That should have been a no-brainer, like everyone has to commit to this first race. Do You know, I think, to be honest, the whole eight races or whatever they've got, if you do more, then you get more points for the series and that puts you in better standing. But I think, really, everyone should have to do pretty much the whole lot. Maybe miss one and that's it. Because they're able to do Ironman races and they're able to do other races. But surely the whole point is, in the T100 is, you want them to commit to that season and you want to see everyone at every single race. Like, if I'm watching it, you know, like with Formula One, Everyone's at every race, aren't they? You don't get Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton sit races out, do you? No. You know. So and also, the- I think the um, that you. So let's say I was contracted by the T100. Um, You've got a wild card, it, haven't you? The way everyone's <laughs> dropping out, mate. I think they'll be pick, picking you, putting you in, mate. But um, for that money, you better. You can't really have an argument like uh, I, I'm not ready. It comes to it's like too soon in the season for me because I. I, I mean, for it's that the money, same for everyone. You need to it's be the ready. same for everyone. Yeah. It's like you're a professional athlete. You're paid to fucking train. If you haven't been training over winter, you've got your own self to blame. Do you know what I mean? It's like I'm paid to train. If I don't train, I'm unfit. Well, I can't blame anyone else, can I? It's my own fault. Like you know, I've, I've, I, that's your job. It's like if you're a job's a lawyer. You can't turn up to court not having your notes, can you? And say, well, I didn't have time. I went down the pub last night. You'll pay to do it. You're a professional. You're paid good money. You're under a good contract. Get your training done. It's not our fault that you're not paid. If you can't can't get to a start line of a race, well, then you don't deserve the contract. 
It's not like we're talking about like amateurs here. These are professional athletes, supposed to be the top 20 in the world. This is their job. They've had all winter. Like even if they start training in November, they've had November, December, January, February. They've had four full months. So they've had 18 weeks. No excuses. Honestly, I, I don't give them an excuse because it's the same for everyone. Everyone's been training all winter. If you wanted to go somewhere warmer, you mm-hmm. could go somewhere warmer. It, that's that's not that's up to you. That's down on you. I I think it's bullshit to be honest. I I don't give them any sympathy. Yeah. Because that's that's what you're paid for. It's what you're paid to do. You know. Not true. Who do you think is going to be the big hitter of the weekend of the the T100 Miami? It's going to be in two weeks. It's still still far away. We can talk about that later on when the men's list is yeah. on as well. It's um yeah, it's two weeks still. So maybe another six will will come to their senses when they, when we put the podcast out and they're thinking like yeah they're right I should be there. Um, I think you, I mean at the end of the day ultimately it's down to the organizer of the T100 because they should have had it in the contract. True. So if they haven't had it in the contract, I mean the athletes going to push whatever do whatever they want, aren't they? But ultimately it should have been in the contract. And if they try and say that they don't want to do it, then you just say to them, okay, well we'll offer the contract to someone else. That's fine. You don't want to take us up on it. You know, at the end of the day, they'll soon change their mind when they miss out on the contract, won't they? Mm-hmm. One flipping race coming up this weekend that I do find very exciting and have great memories of is Ironman New, Le- New Zealand. The dogs down under, that's where also where the junkyard dog was born in 2020. Um, anyway, we've got the men's start list and the women's start list is up. On the women's side, we've got a cool clash coming up of Els Fisher, Chelsea Sodaro. Uh, Meredith Kessler, Laura Siddle, Rebecca Clark. I mean, it's the first race of the season. Um, Tell us what the story was with that Els visit, because she's Dutch, isn't she? And doesn't she like? Didn't she have like a pretty crazy story? Because a lot of people won't know it. I know briefly. Like, wasn't it on like a shipwreck? Or she something? was it's pretty mental, um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Before uh, she did triathlon, she was she was like uh, um, she did a medical study in the Netherlands. Um, and then she did like a PhD and I think at some point she went on like a, uh, on a trip to, I think it was Indonesia and she went on like a boat trip and overnight something happened or there was maybe there was a storm or something and, um, the boat was gonna sink. The boat was sinking and they were with like a group of 10 people and, Everyone, so the majority of the people said something like, we're staying here, we're staying here, and we're waiting for help. And we're staying on the boat. We're staying on the boat or on, a, yeah, we're staying on the boat or on some sort of uh, thing that can, like like the Titanic, they can grab on or something. And else, together with uh, one other woman, if I'm not mistaken, either one or two, uh, was going for a swim. They said, we're not waiting here, we're going for a swim and we're going in that direction. And at some point, they uh, stranded on a deserted island. One of them didn't make it in the swim, if I'm not mistaken. So passed What happened away. to the others that stayed on the boat? The others on the boat, uh, I think half of them passed away. Um, they didn't make it because there's no, no food, uh, uh, nothing. And it took too long for help to come. Uh, and I think Els and one other woman, so they just stranded on a deserted island and uh, they had to like survive and uh, um, yeah, had to survive. And at some point, I think either a, a, a boat or an airplane, like a, a small little airplane saw them, I think a boat and helped them. But there is a TEDx story on YouTube and also she shared her stories now and then, but that's basically she's a, a shipwreck survivor 
and that's also where she got the attitude one uh, attitude from in the sports like uh, i'm going all in and i've got nothing to lose and life can be short and uh um getting the best out of yourself and i've seen death so i'm not scared to raise an iron man that's going to make you mentally tough isn't it if you yeah. had to go through that bloody hell i mean we'd be fucked son wouldn't we we can barely swim like 4k i mean like what would we have done like I think I would have probably been on the boat hoping for the best. I've been like, oh no, yeah. not not a swim. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's pretty. pretty Where's the life story. jacket? Pass me the life jacket. I need all the help I can get. Mate, you were like uh, you were like getting into a lifeboat at Davos, seventy point three. Help! Oh my I god, mate! Oh my god, that was like that was a fucking nightmare. That was. I still remember. If that, that was I, a honestly, casting series for the Titanic, you would have immediately failed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, having to get pulled out of the swim. Can you believe it? Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 like yeah. what a, what a nightmare. So that Elsvisa, when I see her do some of the training, she loves like flipping, smashing the big gear that stuff. Doesn't she like, you know, like, uh, and like putting in some big hours, doesn't she? That is, that like, is the, that's the Brett Sutton, isn't it? Like the big gear, low cadence. But what I find, what I find, uh, um, Hard is, for example, riding on a trainer in itself is fucking boring. But then you've got a lot of athletes that can do, especially a lot of Americans that can just like look with their face to the wall and do like an hour over gear work or like two by 30 minutes tempo looking at a wall and just ride based on feel or whatever and just do it. And then a three hour ride. To me, that's so flipping boring. I can't do that. I know. I think the same. How do they manage to, how do they do that? I don't know. Like it's just yeah, I, and and I saw Lionel Sanders post the other day. He said that he had been out on the road a few times recently, but his heart, the turbo, has a special place in his heart, or something along mm-hmm. the lines of that. Who else is with him? And all these Americans were like, "Yeah, turbo for me, turbo for me." Oh, love the turbo. And I'm thinking, <laughs> is it just Americans that are just wired differently? Because. I mean, the roads out there generally are pretty dangerous, aren't they? Half the time, you nearly get a truck driver knock you off, but, or they're gonna have a gun, they're gonna shoot you, or something. <laughs> but like um, in Europe, you've got amazing roads generally, haven't you? Yeah. Like, and I just can't see. Could you imagine going somewhere like you know you're in the Alps or the Pyrenees, and then people but, are like, oh, should we go and ride up these mountains there? And you're like, no, I'm just gonna ride uh, on the trainer today. Like, I don't want to ride out on the nice country roads. You know, I'll just sit indoors. But I would say one thing we have, for example, in common is we've got a very small attention span. And also... Um, what do you mean? Uh, I can almost make it through one e- an episode of uh, a TV series. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, a small attention span, quickly getting bored. Um, also, I'm, I'm like always busy. My brain is always up to something. And when I'm on the turbo... I'm literally, I need to watch a series. And even though sometimes the time goes quick, sometimes it goes really, really flipping slow. I just can't do it. Whereas outdoors, what, flipping love outdoor riding. What makes you think that I've got a short attention span? Just sometimes when I'm talk, like, talking stories and then your brain just pops somewhere like a squirrel and just you like glide over so what? through it. Like what's an example then? Um... I don't know, a clear example. Just for example, I'm telling a story and then all of a sudden you can be like something pops up in your mind. You, you would say, well, what I've seen last weekend on Instagram was this <laughs> was this squirrel. Yeah. And I, I just think that also translate into like indoor riding. Um, if you need to be focused for three hours and look at a wall, we can't do that because the, gra- the brain is starting to crack or something. What do you think it was like when I had to do that five-hour indoor training ride? Do you think like my mind was going everywhere and it was like it was fried or do you think I think like, it was stressing you out 
<laughs> I had a cafe stop at home yeah. halfway through that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm doing the same thing. I'm just trying to get <laughs> as much hours as I can, trying yeah, to get in. Bank then, it. then I'll get off the bike. I'll get like two cups of coffee. I'll make myself an omelette, and then I'll get back on there for like another ninety minutes. Oh, that's one... nice having a nice little omelette halfway through as well. <laughs> yeah. like, I, I could do it. <laughs> that's uh, the kind of cafe stuff I need. Quickly, quickly about New Zealand. That is going to be a cool race because Braden Curry is going to race Mike Phillips, Steve McKenna, Justin Mitzler, the big flipping Mets from Murica. And um, who's also on the list is a Dutch guy, Nick Heldorn. Now, Nick Heldorn has won Emberman in the past. I think he came in second in Lanzarote. Um, so I'm really, really, really curious how he's going to play uh, parts in this race. He's like a front back swimmer, strong cyclist, but then a flipping fast runner. But then also, oh really? So that's his that's his strength, is it? Like he yeah, can run well. Yeah, yeah, he can run really well. But then I am curious how Braden Curry did, uh, came out of the winter, as he uh, um... doesn't it make you wish that you were racing that? Like when I see all this and some of the pictures and stuff from people leading up to New Zealand, I think, oh God, how nice would it have been to be out there training in the sun, having to taper in for an Ironman? I think like, oh, well, wouldn't that have been awesome? The four weeks I, we were there I, were one of the um, uh, one of the coolest four weeks I've had in the sport. As in, if I think back about the time we've had in New Zealand, just arriving there, it's, a, it's just, uh, the weather was nice, amazing scenery in Wanaka. So if you're like, if you ever want to take four weeks off sabbatical, whatever, and do two races in the middle of shitty winter in Europe, I would say go to New Zealand. And then- I'm going there next year. You can, I'm 100% going to do that you next can year, race, even if it's not part of the series. You can race uh, Wanaka first, scenery's amazing. You've got a couple of really cool hikes. I remember uh, the facilities were there were awesome. Uh, the food is good. And I also learned a lot of new stuff. I remember you were talking about this. Is, I'm talking like three, four years back. I remember I never heard of like kombucha and, and uh, <laughs> uh, whatever. <laughs> But it was just really nice. And then we went over to Christchurch, did some training there. And then we went over to Taupo. Just, it was a whole experience, wasn't it? Different lands, yeah. different landscapes. I thought it was amazing. Cool people, like the whole... great coffee, great food. Because we went to three different places, basically, didn't we? Wanaka, Christchurch, and then put to Taupo, didn't we? And yeah. it broke it up really nice. But I actually thought Christchurch was flipping awesome, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Like, that yeah. was like awesome. To be honest, everywhere was good. I don't think there was any, but I couldn't pick a low from the whole the, trip well really. the low was the financials because it's flipping oh. flipping expensive <laughs> no <laughs> i remember the builder the, 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 the uh <laughs> they're like uh, redneck <laughs> tom pissed off a tom pissed off a uh, redneck and he decided to like flip in smash our car up crash <laughs> <laughs> his trailer and really smash the whole front bumper oh man but yeah that yeah. was pretty crazy maybe maybe they won't ever let us in in new zealand again because we just returned the car um, yeah and then covid came and like that was the end of it. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah but um yeah i would say new zealand is pretty nice also because i like the lifestyle they're all um they're all fit, they're all healthy, they're eating healthy, but they're also drinking like a wine so now and then or a beer. They don't take themselves too serious. So I, I do like the whole atmosphere in New Zealand. I would definitely... Do you know what one of the things that makes me smile? What? And that is thinking back to Christchurch. When we were out on this ride, I had my... Like, I made a... My big mistake was taking my gravel bike instead of a road bike. Tom's big mistake was not taking another bike other than his TT bike. Um, but we decided to do the chain gang what people have said and what was it like the Wednesday worlds or Tuesday world, something like that. Like, and we started off on it and it was like, basically it was a flat road on the way out 
and it was ridiculously slow on the way we out. Were this and I group said to Tom, of 30 people, it was, so you've got social rides. This was a social, social ride. This was like, I'm talking, I must have been averaging about 120 watts. And I was like getting itchy feet thinking, this is just waste of time. I'm not getting <laughs> anything out of this. Like I'm on the gravel bike. I'm trying to ride to the side. So I'm actually getting some wind to ride into because I'm thinking this is just pathetic. Like, and I was like saying to Tom, what should we do? Should we like can it, can it? We Anyway, we decided to bear with it. But then all of a sudden, we randomly hit the start of this climb and it literally went full gas, didn't it? Like it went from 120 Flipping watts to 500 ballistic. watts hanging on ballistic. for as long as you can. We met at the top of this climb, which was like a six, seven minute effort. And then they kind of like, when we say waited, we waited for about two minutes, basically kind of regroup. And then it was like, right, 45 minutes, 50 minutes, the next 45, 50 minutes, absolutely full gas up and down these little three, four minute climbs. And you're like, full on, aren't you, Tom? Yeah, like literally yeah, yeah, like yeah. to the point where you're like going to get dropped any second. But wasn't, and, wasn't uh, it like there was one like Olympic track cyclist, there was one pro yeah, cyclist from, and then you had yeah. Mike Phillips and uh, of course these two big dogs. Uh, so there was like <laughs> some fair, decent people in that group. But all of a sudden we were like, shall we sack this one off? And yeah. All of a sudden, and we boom. just carried on with it and it was awesome. And then we like went out a few times with him. And I remember one time Tom was like, we got a bit used to it and Tom was like ripping it up one day. Yeah. And it was like on some like little undulations. And like you were on the TT bike on the front, just fucking hooning it. I'm like on the gravel bike, hanging on. Yeah. I've got these two people in front of me and they're like hanging on for death's door. You can tell with people's body language, can't you? They're like rocking and rolling, rocking and rolling. They touched wheels, went down right in front of me. And I'm like, fuck, like quickly, like go around the side of them. It was also going then, into like a corner. Yeah. Like, and then some guy like nearly... So yeah, that guy nearly knocked his head, like nearly got decapitated because there was a road sign, like yeah. uh, like two metal bits with a road sign in the middle and he just managed to get under, I think, didn't he? Or something like that. You know, it was just, oh man, it was absolutely nuts. It was like a road race and people were just getting like pinged, weren't they? Left, right and centre. And it was like hanging on for hanging on for dear life. But I'm definitely thinking about that. I, I, I did contemplate going back this year, but it was just, I was just not ready enough, not fit enough, but I would also definitely maybe come back next year like it was flipping awesome yeah yeah it was that was awesome that was that was a really good trip that was hey yeah uh, shall we quickly uh before we head over to the bullshit buster yeah um guys i just want to let you know about an app that i've uh worked on with uh Kate Baldwin and Nick Baldwin. Kate Baldwin's uh, been on the show before and spoke to Tom she's got a PhD in strength training for triathletes and we've developed an app called Valir, which will help you with all your strength training needs. Basically, it coaches you as you go. So it will change the weights depending on the feedback you give it. So how many reps in reserve you can do for certain exercises. It will either give prescribe you higher weights, lower weights. It will track it on the app so you can see how you've progressed over time. There's lots of rehab plans. So you can do Achilles uh, tendonitis rehab plans. Um, lots of other ones as well. If you've got glute weaknesses, stuff like that. You can do advanced, intermediate or novice training plans uh, for strength and you can pick whether or not you want a triathlon plan, swimming plan, biking plan or running plan, whatever you want. Um, it's got you covered and it, like I say, it coaches you as you go. It's only available at the moment on the App Store. Uh, Valir is the name of the app, so check it out. It is coming to Android very soon, but if you want to get into strength and conditioning, like me and Tom both do it, I've been doing it quite a lot this winter and have been feeling absolutely fantastic off it and uh, i actually trained with kate at the winter of 2018 which is what got me into strength and conditioning because i realized how much it could help and her knowledge was second to none so if you really want to 
up your strength and conditioning, but you don't know what to do. And more sign first, up the app. if you don't know what to do in the gym, because that's also what it does. It tells you what to do. So if you find it, tells it out, you what to program, do, head over to Valer. Alrighty. The bullshit buster. Have we got a bullshit buster? Um, massive, massive swim weeks. Is that a bullshit buster? Well, we don't know yet, do we? Because no. we haven't seen if it's paid off or not. So we can't really comment on that at the moment. It could be like the secret message. Maybe next year I'll be on 60K weeks because I'll be like, this is what I've got to do. Well, um, secret message or not, I won't do it because I, I, I don't have the minerals to do it. 60K, I don't have the flipping minerals to swim 60K. 8K a day. 8K a day, yeah. That's... Um, that, that won't bring joy in my life. Let's head over to the Instagram post of the week, Joe. I've sent you over a picture today. It's a video. And as we were just to- talking about Valère, this duder, oh no, it's a gal. She's definitely not on the strength and conditioning app because she is doing like, she's on a different program. And can you first describe and state what like gym movements she is doing? They're doing like these hip thrusts with a bar between their legs and it just looks extremely dodgy i don't even know if it's a real device that you can get but it looks like they're basically having sex with a bar that's what i would describe it as it's very very bizarre what would you say tom like well, if you were describing it basically um what she's doing so she is doing hip thrust but she's doing the hip thrust on a on a very very innovative she's doing very innovative hip thrusts and i think this movement is a compound movement saying she's training multiple things and compound i think as in the results that she's going to get so she's not, she's not only training for the cycling but she's also going to be better uh, having a better relationship with her husband and i would say <laughs> Um, a relationship. But what about the bloke? The bloke's doing it as well, though, isn't he on it? Yeah, because he's also want to have that that sick pump. If you've got very fit hip thrust, you can do like a VO2 max session on the bike. You can do heart training, like a heart run, because you're using like the, the flexes on the front a lot. But then when you go home, you had a long day, your missus had a long day or your husband had a long day. Um, you also need to chill and relax later on in the bed. And if your hip flexes are all fatigued, then you can't perform. So, but wouldn't this fatigue your hip flexors? In so the you end, can't and I've, I've had this in the past, as in what's important for an athlete that is balance. And it means also like balance. <laughs> you're sounding like, I, I get the feeling that you're thinking like, do we really have to put this as an Instagram post a week? I actually want to buy this. Like, I feel like this has like some big gains for me. Like, <laughs> As in balance. And if you don't have a stable uh, relationship, then that's going to bring imbalancement and you know stress and all that. You don't want this as an athlete. So yes, being able to perform in the bedroom and on the bike, this is your movement, Joe. The power hip thrust with this barbell. We'll post it up on the Instagram so you can see what we mean. But this is a if you've flip got three kids or more, movement. you've probably been using this, or and you don't need it. If you haven't got any kids, this could come in handy. This is a flipping powerful movement. That is a flipping powerful movement. Tom is now looking at the share price and considering buying it because he can see some real gain in this and uh, <laughs> he's liking the look. Anyway, um, I'm going to see you next week. I wish you good luck with your 10K on Saturday, Sunday, Sunday it is. 
Um, yeah, Sunday, mate. Hope fingers crossed. Hopefully for a good one. If I put myself in the K hole, then I know I've done it properly. But you actually psyched me out a bit in the last one when you were telling me how hard it was, and I kind of thought, oh, I don't feel like I yeah, can do that I know, two weeks in I a know, row. I know, I know. Like <laughs> a, a, a hard run last week, and I was thinking like, oh, this is slower and less amount of distance that I did the ten k, and like, oh, what, what a world of shit that was. Yeah, you're going to be in a world of shit. But what you should do, like, um, just take a shitload of caffeine and supplements and just get yourself uh, in the cave. What do I need? What do I need to really pump me up then? Caffeine? Citrulline? Yeah, you need to wait for a couple of more weeks for that to come out. But uh, basically what you want, yeah, is a, is a sick pump, mate. Like, uh, you want to get pumped before a race. You know what, what you should take. Like, just, I would say at least 300 milligrams of caffeine before the start. I would say a bit of beta-aniline as well, so you get that, I want to flip you, and go. What, what does, does, is that what beta-aniline does? Because it just normally makes me feel really, like, uh, is it itchy or something? Yeah, or yeah, like, you know, a bit like, itchy, a uh, bit tickling, tickling. Uh, all right yeah what was that horrible drink that we used to have in america can you remember 2021 bang bang oh my god that thing was lethal wasn't it <laughs> yeah but it did get you going didn't it <laughs> oh mate yeah definitely it got you going like <laughs> you dread to think like what my kidneys had to go through to get it out to process <laughs> it but... <laughs> yeah that's the thing you need to get it from natural resources um but yeah i would i would just load yourself up and then before the gun goes Put on some nice techno playlist. You did say that it was a bit weird. I was listening to music. A lot of people said it. You did they? To, you listen to music during a ten? Yeah, day? I'm thinking like I've run, never seen. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen a serious runner going for like a decent time with some flipping headphones <laughs> and then a ten k. Like <laughs> I just never ever seen that. I just didn't want to hear my heart beat. All right, <laughs> we're gonna see each other next week. All right, see you. See bye. You. Bye.